0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. Our opening topic today is the big news in the ECHL. Pat Nagel has retired. Big legend around these parts.
1: Yeah, I had uh, the pleasure of uh, covering Pat for three seasons in Fort Wayne. I always thought it was kind of cool because we're actually from the same hometown, Bluefield Hills. And I don't know, there's not a lot of us, you know, kind of rolling around. And I've always regretted, I think it was in the playoffs in 2016, there were like three of us from like the only three people from Bluefield Hills at the time that were in like the ECHL were all in the same building. So it was like me, Pat Nagel and Alex Crucial Niski. And then I think there's another guy whose name is blanking on me. And then I think all four of us we're in the same building one night and i always like regretted not getting like a like a selfie like the i thought was a story it's... but of course it was a selfie you're looking for well yeah but it's also sort of ridiculous that i'm like somehow lumping myself in right. with in... the players like i'm somehow some figure of notability in echl hockey but you know in my mind i thought it was kind of cool like the people in bluefield hills are going be like oh look it's it's pat Nagel, olympian and, and justin and who, and who's that guy yeah who's that guy yeah. that photobombed it yes <laughs> so yeah uh well anyway so so pat Nagel. um i guess i kind of broke this news the other night like i kind of i heard it and i texted him and he was sort of funny like like hmm, maybe I, I should be putting out a, a statement about this i'm like yeah but let's let's run through some some numbers on Pat Nagel. Sure. So he is the second winningest goaltender in ECHL history with 223 wins. That is 42 fewer than Nick Vitucci. Uh Nagel shares the ECHL record for most playoff appearances with 90. Uh, wow. That was also accomplished by Riley Gill. Nagel won 50 playoff games, which is second behind Gill's 53. And Pat Nagel played more postseason minutes than any other ECHL goalie in history with 5,510. Uh, a couple other numbers. Let me see here. Career 913
0: and, save percentage too.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have that? Yeah.
0: 373 <laughs> games. He had a 913 save percentage. Listen to his record, though, 223 wins, 93 losses, and 36 ties over 11 years of ECHL play. You rarely see the kind of longevity with we always talk about this, how like there's rarely there's there's seldom a lot of longevity with stars, but especially goaltenders like Pat Nagel has been a stable high end guy for years now.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, totally. Uh, Fourth in ECHL history in games played. Uh, Nick Vitucci is the leader there, by the way, with 479. Um, just a couple other quick things because I, I just they were staggering numbers. Uh, so third all time in minutes played with 20 over 21,000. Nick Vitucci is the record holder there with 27,000. And Nagel had 18 shutouts in the regular season, and he had seven seasons with 20 or more victories. That's tied for the league record with Daniel Berthiome and Vitucci, he won playoff games with fort wayne toledo Reading, florida and the idaho steelheads and the florida one is notable because that was his rookie year and they ended up winning the cup that year now he was not in net in the finals like i think he played like the second round or something so that was john muse as i recall um but You know, there's some interesting things with Nagel in in the world that I walk in. It remains to this day something that people hotly debate about, which was Nagel was the goalie in Fort Wayne for three years, got them to the conference finals in 2016. And after 2017, they did not resign him, even though he had been just racking up wins and records. I mean, you've got the stats there. And so the the feeling was, and Fort Wayne, they scrutinize goalies like few other markets that have come across because they have such a, you know, over 70 years of, of great goalies. So the feeling on Nagel was, well, he's really good, but we just don't know if he's going to like get us over the hump, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Jared Goff, I guess. Like, you know, he's good, but we kind of need to bring in the Matthew Stafford. And what the Comets did was then they got Michael Hauser and they kind of made it to the same level. Like they got to the 2018 Western Conference Finals, uh, but they never won the cup with Hauser. Now the plot thickened the next season. So they let Nagel go. He lands on his feet and then some because he lands in Toledo mm-hmm. and then becomes a fixture in the Detroit Red Wings minor league system. You know, ends up getting AHL deals. He had a great stint with the with Grand
0: Rapids in 2019-20. He had a 920 save percentage in 20 games.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, if he if he had stayed in Fort Wayne, I don't think that he ends up getting the AHL attention. I mean, it's like, like everybody knew he was great. And of course he was going to get looks because Fort Wayne never had a relationship with an NHL team that was as strong as Toledo's Detroit, with yeah. Detroit and Grand Rapids. And so there's such a great working relationship with Toledo and synergy between signing goalies and players and alleviate salary caps and whatnot. And I just don't think that there was that fluidity with an AHL team that you know, he could have been going back and forth. So he leaves Toledo, signs with, or leaves Fort Wayne, signs with Toledo. The next year, though, they meet in the playoffs. Fort Wayne won. <laughs> so I remember this. Like, there was, like, the knock, if you will, on Nagel was he was always going to be great, but there was always going to be one that one goal that he would give up, and you'd be like, oh, just that one goal. And that series, I remember it. There was a couple plays like that, and all the Fort Wayne fans were kind of, puffing their chests like you see it was the right decision and then they lost in um i guess it was that year yeah they're like they lost in overtime of game seven to colorado which ended up winning the cup there was a lot of controversy with that but then nagel of course you know as you said a lot of great games with grand rapids uh ends up also landing in the flyer system and a big story made the u.s olympic team last year where he was the third string goalie behind uh strauss man and drew com so uh so you know Nagel didn't really play in the but it was an awesome story that an older echl kind of veteran goalie was sort of the safety valve goalie that the u.s olympic team brought in so um totally great guy always fun to deal with you know win or loss he would always talk um you know, I, I I tweeted something out yesterday. I think he's the only player that my daughter ever wanted a picture with. So I, I thought about that in 25 years, the only photo that I've ever taken with a Comet player was Pat Nagel because my daughter wanted to take a picture. So we have a, a selfie with the three of us. So <laughs> that's but, like that's like
0: like Mike when uh, the Dirk asked the kid for an autograph and he's like, oh, who's a four? My niece. What's your niece's name? Uh, Dirk. Is that is that your way? Is that your way? You
1: wanted a photo of Pat Nagel? No, it legitimately was not for me. I sort of remember it like we were walking out of the building. And I think my daughter just kind of like maybe again, maybe it was just that we were from the same hometown. But she wanted a picture with him. But also sort of weird, I guess, that i never felt the need to take a picture with any player in 25 Mm -hmm. years. Because all I do is take pictures, selfies. I document my life. But 25 years, I don't think I ever took a picture with another player just at Nagel so I I guess that says something so he should certainly be destined for the ECHL Hall of Fame someday Mm -hmm. I saw somebody make a comment that you know if Fort Wayne or Toledo ever have an all-star game there then it would be a lock I don't think Fort Wayne's ever going to have an all-star game they do not like hosting all-star games so maybe it'll be in Toledo and and he'll get inducted there that would be kind of cool one more question before I move
0: on. Do you think that with Pat Nagel, you know, he had a decent body of work in Fort Wayne, then Toledo, got a cup of coffee in Grand Rapids? But do you think the problem for him, maybe like working against him, was the fact that he really hit his stride later in his career? Like he's 36 now, retiring, right? And his best years were when he was around 29, 30 years old. Do you think that maybe affected the lack of climb up the ladder or or no?
1: I you see I don't like look at it that way. Like I don't I don't know how far was he gonna climb. Was he gonna become sure. an NHL goalie? I you know, I, I don't know that we ever really thought that was in the cards. So but you know, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, goalies tend to mature a little bit later, and sometimes you do get well marked as seems to
0: be less inclined to take a chance on him, is kind of what I more so meant. Whereas he he had was doing great in the ECHL. If you looked at just the stats, it's like, oh, this guy deserves a look, but I guess. You know, with the age and and with who they want to fill in, he probably wouldn't be first in line for a lot of teams.
1: Yeah, I mean that's true. He very quickly kind of became a reliable depth guy. I don't know that I can put my finger on why that would have been, except for, you know, he only won the one championship, even though he was with really good teams. But that's the unfair thing that we saddle goaltenders with, you know. And it's super unfair at this level when you really think of it. Sure, you know, because there's so much crap going on Mm. uh but you know when i just think off the top of my head i'm like that was a very reliable goaltender a workhorse you knew he could you just would pencil him in every night and you were good uh i totally did not agree with fort wayne letting him go uh that was my stance at the time uh i was a pat nagel guy michael hauser was very good but i think they would have been just as good with nagel that year but I don't know what I thought you were going to ask me (laughs) was when you started to say with Fort Wayne and Toledo was if you were to go into the hall of fame, like which bust would he use? Like which hat, you know, which team do you wear? You know, like we do in baseball, it's always like a debate, like, yeah, which team's hat would you wear? Like, right. That's, that's an interesting question. I'm sure to Fort Wayne fans, Nagel's a Fort Wayne guy. I'm sure to Toledo fans, He's a Toledo guy. Good point. I'm also sure we could never get him to declare which team he enjoyed playing for more. Maybe he would just throw us a curveball and say he'd be a Redding Royal, which is possible too. He did get he did get a lot of time with Lehigh Valley, but that would be a very interesting question. Like, who do you associate his career with most? Like Michael Hauser had great success with Fort Wayne, but I don't think anybody would argue he he was a Cincinnati Cyclone. Right. So.
0: So let's move on to part two of our series of camp storylines. We did the Eastern Conference last week. Let's shift over to the Western Conference, starting in the Mountain Division. We have to start with the Idaho Steelheads. Best regular season in ECHL history last year. A lot of the contracted players, ECHL contracted players are returning. But how do we think about their chances this year? Can they do something that miraculous again this year?
1: No, <laughs> right. I think they're going to be very good. But I mean, look, they were 58, 11 and three last year. I mean, I, I can't see a world in which their division rivals let them get close to that again. But, you know, they're set up really well. I mean, the Everett Jean is a terrific coach. Uh, the big thing that I'm focusing on, because I think that the, it was, you know, really where their success started last year was on the defensive core. So mm-hmm. Owen Hedrick is gone. He's with the AHL Chicago Wolves. But, you know, you still look at the guys they have back, Matt Register, Patrick Kudla, Cody Heiskinen. I mean, these are monster players at this level. Um, I like some of the additions that they made. I, I've said it before. The guy that I think will have a breakout that they signed as a free agent was Mark Rassel. You know, I could see him becoming – uh, a very good top-line player uh, at this level. I mean, we got to see who they kind of get from their affiliates, Dallas and Texas, but, you know, we had Cam McGuire on a couple weeks ago. He seemed pretty confident they were going to be loaded up, so I'll take his word on that. But, you know, the interesting thing to me is going to be how do teams in their division respond to them? You know, there's such a – um you know, like Allen was such an offensively charged team, so very different than the way Idaho played. And, you know, I I guess, does that work? Can you match great defense with just loading up on offense? Do you have to meet somewhere in the middle? Um, I just, it's going to be so difficult for them to repeat what they did last year. And I don't know if there's a blueprint that you can come away with, with, you know, they lost in the finals to the Florida Everblades. Mm -hmm. I'm sure lots of people are looking at that film Maybe there's some takeaway from there. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, I watched a lot of that series. I just thought Florida was really good and played blue-collar hockey and and didn't let Idaho kind of move up and down the ice, you know, freewheeling type of game. But uh, I just think teams, are, with all this time to prepare, I think Idaho's still the favorite, but no way they win 58 games. I will say
0: one dark horse for the team is Jared Moe a very good collegiate goalie drafted by the Jets in the sixth round a couple of years ago. Jack LaFontaine, who's played in the ECHL as well, took a spot at Minnesota. He transferred to Wisconsin. And aside from a couple stretches, he was a great goaltender. He got a chance here to be uh, the number one in Idaho. There could be rotation, but that could be a real dark horse's sleeper for them because as good as the decor was, and that was the heart of the team, Remy Poirier and Adam Scheele bailed them out of a lot of games. So goaltending will be key for them as well.
1: Yeah, I mean they've got nice players. Like you bring up their roster, it's like AJ White, you know uh, Ty Pelton, Bice, Wade Murphy. I mean there are nice players, like not necessarily guys that are gonna like blow you away on paper, but you put it all together and it just works so well. But again, I just think if you have a solid, you know, blue line core. You know, like that, like you can find scores at this level, but getting competent defensemen who aren't going to get burned can chip in offensively. Those are always at a premium to me at this level.
0: Now the Allen Americans, there was quite a contrast between what the Americans were and the steelheads last season. No.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was offensively charged hockey. Now their coach, Chad Costello, it was his first year. He's a three time ECHL MVP. He won two Kelly cups. You know, it's not surprising that the Americans adopted a similar style to what Chad Costello clearly appreciated when he played. Uh, They did a nice job in locking down the guys that they could from last year. Of course, they lost Hank Crone. He was the leading scorer, the MVP last year. There was no way he was going to be back in the ECHL this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But for them to get back guys like Colton Hargrove, who had 39 goals and 85 points last year, Liam Finley, who had 33 goals and 70 points; Colby McCauley, who had 11 goals and 34 points. Then you get defensemen like Chris Mylari, uh, Eric Williams, who had been acquired from Norfolk. I mean, they got a lot of their nucleus back, and with and a lot of those guys were young guys too. So, you know, a year of experience, again, a year of knowledge of what Idaho going to do. I think the 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 table is set for a lot of good things down there. Now, can they stay out of the box? That's always a question with Allen. Mikhail Robidoux. I have to mention his name as often as possible. He is back. You never, he's kind of the X factor. And I should be clear, like, I I appreciate having a tough guy around. I just don't like having a tough guy that's gonna get, you know, suspensions. <laughs> um, they got a goaltender right now, like we know Chase Perry will be one of the guys. Uh, he was effective last year, fourteen and seven and one, three point zero two goals against, nine twenty one save percentage and one shutout. So we'll see what else they get from Ottawa Belleville. But I, I love what Allen brought back. They were offensively charged. I keep saying that, but they did get better defensively as the year went on. Um, I think going into the playoffs, I thought they were going to get like housed in the in the second round, and that is not exactly what happened. So. I think the the table is set for a lot of good things with Allen.
0: So you want to talk about, am I reading this correctly? You want to talk about rapid city and Tulsa. I don't <laughs> know what you mean. Those are two different teams.
1: Well, I mean, those are two different teams that people don't talk a lot about because they just haven't been very good, but I see a quantum leap with both teams this year. So both rapid, of both of them. Okay. I think that whole division is going to be better. Last year was top heavy, like right? It was two teams and then everybody else. And then Utah shocked the heck out of us in the first round. Um, You know, Utah stole the first two games, then lost four in a row in overtime. I think they're going to be good as well. But Rapid City, let's talk a little bit about them. So this was a team that was below 500, sixth in the division last year. Some of the players. Logan Nelson is a guy that, I mean, this was the epitome of a journeyman in the ECHL. He has turned into a great player with Rapid City. 21 goals, 57 points in 65 games last year. So he's back for a fourth season with them. He's become just a really steady top player for them. Some other guys they have. Kelty Jerry Leone, he was with the Maine Mariners. He had 27 goals and 54 points between 2021 and 2023. Uh, I think he's poised for a breakout. Another former Maine player, Connor Blakely. Uh, He was a two-time NHL draft pick, if you remember that name. He was a first-round pick. To start, first yeah. first round, and then went when back in the draft. It was yeah. a fifth round. Uh, but whenever you see a first round pick, or frankly, got picked twice, I'm kind of like, ooh, that's an interesting guy. Uh, last over the last two seasons, he had 15 goals and 38 points in 98 games. Uh, he played for Idaho before in 2019-20 when their head coach Scott Burt was an assistant. So he's got some familiarity there. But let me give you some other names. Keanu Yamamoto. He had a big rookie season. He had 18 goals and 45 points. Uh, Jimmy Soper is a big player. Alex Aliardi is a guy I really like. He won the Cup with Florida two years ago. He's like, he'll do a little bit of everything. He had 30 goals last year. Uh, There's just a lot of pieces in place for Rapid City, a team that I think we've gotten maybe a little too used to ignoring because they just haven't been a factor too much. Um, What was the other team? Tulsa? Tulsa. All right. Well, so Tulsa has been kind of surprising because they have a really good coach in Rob Murray. Rob Murray won a cup with the Alaska Aces, Um, but they've kind of become an afterthought. I think Their turnaround starts last year when they acquired Tag Bertuzzi from the Norfolk Admirals. And that was for Jimmy Soper, who we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bertuzzi's impact was immediate. He had a hat trick in his first game with the Oilers. He went on to 16 goals and 33 points in 36 games. So became a a point-per-game player. So he's back this year. He's really good on the power play, too, which should be uh, noted. Uh, Ryan Olson, who had been in Germany, he's back. ECHL fans of a long time might remember him. He was a pivotal player with the Colorado Eagles, uh, when they had their little mini dynasty, he's got a ton of AHL experience. Uh, he's played 69 games with the San Antonio rampage in 2018, 2019, and that season he had 17 goals. So he scored at the AHL level. He brings a lot of things at this level. Uh, interesting goalie they have, Julian Junka. Uh, he has spent his entire career in France. Uh, he was like France's goaltender of the year last year. Had a wow. two six four goals against average and nine twenty one save percentage and three shutouts. So I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, I don't know trade. how
0: the fret, the France league compares to Tier two Sweden or Finland. I, I honestly have no idea, but. Ah. That's interesting. I like that It's, it's unconventional, it, right?
1: Like it's it jumps out at you. But I'm like, you know, if it were well um, a skater, I might be a little less. But as a goalie, like, okay, he's stopping shots. You know, right? Like, that's but what the, I want to see.
0: The French league, like, you'll see ECHL guys go there sometimes. Sure. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I mean, I think it's a worthy gamble if you want to. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, and they're affiliated with Anaheim, San Diego, so we have to see who they get. Um sure. One more name I want to throw out: Jimmy Lodge. Third round NHL draft pick of yep. your Winnipeg Jets. Mine. Uh, he... <laughs> <laughs> My. My well, Winnipeg I mean, Jets. Geographically? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll claim ownership. Uh, so he's with them too. He's a guy that will bring some experience. So I just look at Tulsa and Rapid City, and I feel like nobody's going to talk about these teams. Everybody's going to be talking about Idaho, Allen, Utah. And I'm saying don't sleep on those two things because two teams because I think they're going to make a quantum leap.
0: One more, Utah Grizzlies. Uh, we, you mentioned it before. They almost pulled off a shocking first-round upset in the first round. How are they looking this year?
1: They've made some nice signings. The big one that stands out to me is Jordan Martell. Um, he had been in Fort Wayne. They basically gave him away for a player named Neil Robinson who was okay for a couple of games, and I don't even know where he ended up. But Martell, he was one of those guys that was like, don't let him get away because he's got some – offense. He has got some grit and he showed that with Utah, uh, 18 goals, 44 points in 45 games. So a point per game for a guy that you got for almost nothing is pretty good. Uh, Tyler Penner, he's a forward. He played in all 72 games, each of the last two seasons for the Grizzlies. I love those Iron Man guys at this level, Dylan Fitz. Um, he had 17 goals and 38 points last year. Here's maybe their best pickup. Defenseman Keone Texera. He had been with the Indy Fuel. He had captained them. He will do a little bit of everything. He had six goals and 19 points in 50 games last year. Cody Karen is another nice little pickup. He had been with the Cincinnati Cyclones. He'll bring some toughness. He's got some experience in the playoffs. Um, Just a lot of nice pieces there. So what did we learn from last year? I think we learned that when they play a little bit more blue-collar hockey, when they win face-offs, and of course, if they have good goaltending like they did from Trent Miner, they can be a dangerous team. I would expect them to improve yet again, as they have continued to do under Coach Ryan Kanasewich. Excuse me, almost mispronounced his name. So Utah, I like. All
0: right, now the Central Division: Cincinnati Cyclones. They changed their affiliation after a year where they won the division title they fell in the second round of the playoffs to Toledo. I guess the the real question is, can they make that jump this season into the conference finals or finals,
1: uh, given all the change that they've had personnel wise? So I can't believe what I'm going to say here, because I do believe at this time last year, I was kind of knocking Cincinnati for recycling the same nucleus of players that they had for a few years. And they're doing that again, but Now I think it's great because last year they actually took a quantum leap. They became a power in the division. Like they clearly got past Fort Wayne. They were jockeying for position with Toledo all year. Cincinnati won the regular season title, then lost to Toledo in the playoffs. So I like that they now under Jason Payne have locked in a lot of these familiar faces. So who am I talking about? Louis Caparuso. 23 goals, 71 points last year. Patrick Polino, 23 goals last year. Luca Burzon, who had more than a point per game after he was acquired in a trade. You got your captain Justin Vive back. He had 32 goals last year. He'll hunker down in front of the net, cause some you know mayhem. Zach Andrusiak is back uh, on the blue line. You got Jalen Smerrick back. He, I think, took a quantum leap in his game last year. Uh, just, a I mean, just a, an embarrassment of riches in terms of offense. Um, Matthew Carnes, a defenseman, he was plus 17 last year. So all these great names, I like that. They're like, you know what? We like what we did last year. We just need to take that step forward in the playoffs. Let's build on it. Let's see what they get in goal though. Because one thing that you could always lock in over, uh, I think it was six seasons with the Buffalo Sabres was they were going to have a goalie, whether mm-hmm. it was Michael Hauser, whether it was Uka yep, whoever it was. So now you're with the New York Rangers, but the nice thing is they actually would send really good goalies when they were down in Jacksonville. So I don't know who their goalie is going to be yet. I'm going to put my faith in the process there. But Cincinnati, I think, has to be the favorite in the division based on what I'm seeing right now because you got the same coach, you got these same players, they're building off last year. I like the direction there.
0: The Toledo walleye, new coach this year with Pat McCash. How are they looking so far?
1: Well, so that's the question. Why is Toledo not the overwhelming favorite? Because they have signed a lot of guys, too. Brandon Hawkins, you know, my opinion, probably the best offensive player in the league. They got Oren Santazo, who had been with the Newfoundland Growlers. Loved what he did last year, especially after Zach O'Brien was injured and what he was doing in the playoffs. Some other huge names they have brought back. Onlin Keenan, Sam Craggs, Kirill Tutaya; These are all potent scorers. On defense, they have some nice pieces. Riley McCourt is a player I really like. But what about Pat McKesh? So that's what makes them a question mark. Pat McKesh has never coached in the pros before. He is a Derek Lalonde disciple. He was his assistant in USHL. I'm not going to tell you that McKesh had any great success in USHL because he didn't. So we just don't know. We're going to work under the assumption that they know what he can do as a coach, that this isn't just, Hey, it's a friend of a friend. Uh, he certainly has the pieces in place, right? What's going to happen at goal. I don't know. Last year they had Sebastian Cosa, They had John Letheman who won goaltender of the year. If you go look at the, the red wings death chart right now, it's a little bit crazy. They have Bednar, they have Hutchinson, uh, So you got at least four guys right now vying for positions in the minors plus three guys right now at the NHL level. So you look at it on paper, I am assuming that COSA is in Toledo, but that also feels really weird to me. So whoever it is, they're going to have one or two really established good goalies. We just don't know who it's going to be. Uh, But what we've learned is you got to have good goaltending in this division, especially with Cincinnati scoring a ton of goals. And I think Fort Wayne will score a ton of goals. So, on paper, I like Toledo, but I'm a little expectant of them taking a step back because there's going to be a change in how things operate there. Kalamazoo Wings, you've been high on them this offseason, no? I have been, um, you know, which is funny because I was not wild about Joel Martin being the head coach when they hired him last year. Because I was not a big Nick Bootland fan. It had gotten stale, like what they were doing, the message, the play. And then when you bring in his assistant, I was kind of fearful, well, we're just kind of bringing in more of the same. And for a while, it, it did actually kind of look like that. But then they really started, I think what he kind of did last year, and I'm guessing, was take a look at what he had and see how they fit into his systems and decide who he wanted to keep and how he was going to rebuild and he lets some big players get away. I mean, we knocked them at the trade deadline for letting go of some guys like Logan Lamden. Uh but now you look at some of the signings and I kind of see the the you know, the gold at the end of the rainbow. So Justin Taylor's back. It's his 13th season with the Kalamazoo Big Wings, by the way. 13 seasons for wow. any ECHL team is incredible. He is their franchise leader in games played with 685 goals scored with 257 and points 498 even last year he still led them with 20 goals and 41 points so (laughs) hat tip to him we should get him on the show sometime uh hunter vorva goaltender i really like he is a kalamazoo native by the way last year 13 9 and 3 with the 261 goals against and a 919 save percentage and one shutout they brought back eric bradford He was the team's MVP in 2021-22. He split time last season between the AHL and the ECHL. Huge addition was defenseman Chaz Redekop, who they got from South Carolina. I know Chaz Redekop, he's going to do a lot of things for you. He's got AHL experience. He's going to be tough. He's going to score. He could be your captain. He is going to be a good community guy. I mean, that's a big pickup in a lot of different metrics there. Uh, Another big pickup. Colin Adams, he was an All Star last year with Worcester. Didn't play a lot of games, thirty games, but he had fourteen goals and thirty two points in those thirty games. Uh, we should note that going into camp is uh, Mariah Fujimagari. Uh, I don't expect her to make a to get a playoffs or to get a roster spot, but you never know. Uh, so we'll certainly be watching that. And they are back with the Vancouver Canucks. This is the fourth time that they have been affiliated with the Canucks in their history. Uh there was 3 years in the 80s, then 2011 to 2015 and 2017 to 21. So I don't recall them really being stocked up a ton with Vancouver before, but whenever you have familiarity with your AHL NHL team that allowed you to more effectively build your roster, like I see this in Fort Wayne all the time where they keep, you know, changing affiliations is you know, they may be telling you one thing, but it doesn't actually happen. But when you have an established relationship, you know, the parties involved, more chance you can effectively build your team. So I think a lot of things are looking up for Kalamazoo and they could use a good season like they really could. You know, you can see some of the attendance dropping off and that's a great market. It's actually my favorite old building to go to. So I'd like to see them get good again.
0: Last but not least, the Fort Wayne Comets. There's big news with the comments in terms of signing Sean Slizdowski, bringing him back. What kind of impact is that going to have on them moving forward?
1: Boy, we need to work on that pronunciation. Sidlowski. Sidlowski. That's a hard one. Believe me. I've got, you know, a decade, (laughs) a decade more uh, working on that one. I'm
0: a writer, not a pronouncer. Oh, I guess I'm a
1: podcaster. So you're right. So... The Sean Sidlowski thing is sort of wild and a game changer, because if we sat here 10 days ago and you were going to ask me what the Fort Wayne fans were thinking, they were freaking out because there's no veterans. There's no older players. Like this is somehow important, but they sign one guy, Sean Sidlowski and everything is fine with them again. Why? So what's that? Why is it all fine? Why does that? Because I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to have his number retired someday. There are many narratives out there, most of them incorrect, as to why Fort Wayne parted with him last year. But many believe, somewhat incorrectly, that because Ben Boudreau was no longer the coach, that that opened the door for him to come back. But the big thing is you want a familiar face here. And there were not many of them. There were a few guys that had played some games, but really the most established guy was probably Darian Kelb who's a defenseman. So Sean, Sean Sidlowski, he won an MVP here. He won a scoring title. He won a championship. He took them to two other conference finals. Um, he's never had a chance to be the captain. Uh, that could be in the cards. But to answer your question, I think the big thing is, we don't know what this team is going to be. There, it's a total mass overhaul with a lot of rookies. I think there are 16 rookies on the roster right now. So if nothing else, the fans know they can watch Sid for what might be his last season, and that's exciting. So from a marketing standpoint, it's great. Now, we'll see. We'll see what he's got left in the tank. He's had injuries. He's openly said playing in Florida, like the warm weather kind of helped his back injuries. Uh, so we'll see there. But a little bit more on the comments. New coach, Jesse Calicky. he had been an assistant with the Florida Everblades we assume he's going to bring in a lot of the things that they did there. They have a lot of um, marquee rookies that people were after, guys like Nolan Vulcan. Um, they have made some big signings over the last couple weeks. Uh, Matthew Wedman, that's an a, a experienced AHL player. Um, we think they're going to get a ton from Bakersfield. Uh, guys like Connor Corcoran, uh, Jake Johnson. Uh, defenseman uh, Noah Gansky actually had his contract converted from ECHL to AHL last week. So that tells me he had a really good camp with both Edmonton and Bakersfield. Goaltending is the big question. So even if Fort Wayne doesn't get anybody from Edmonton-Bakersfield, they still have Francois Broussard, who was the ECHL's goaltender of the year two years ago. They still have Brett Broschu who was the Ontario hockey league's goaltender of the year, two years ago, we assume they're going to get Tyler parks from Bakersfield. That's a very good goaltender. And Ryan Fanti is still out there, but he now has a hip injury. So we're not sure if he is out weeks, months, my interpretation is that it's going to be months, but no matter how you cut it, Fort Wayne's going to have really good goaltending. And then there's some other guys in Bakersfield camp. I should have mentioned like Cameron, Wright, Alexis Daou. I mean, just, what the roster looks like now that all the Fort Wayne fans are, are freaking out about because it's so young and they experience all this stuff, it's going to be totally different in two weeks. There are that many guys up in camp that are going to come down. But not unlike with Toledo, with Pat McKesh, you know, we don't know with Jesse Kalky what it's right. going to be like. He doesn't know this division. I'm a little more comfortable with him than McKesh because he knows this league. He's had success. He knows these yes. guys and he's been a head coach of the pros and had success in the SVHL. So, you know, Fort Wayne fans ask me if I'm worried about this. I'm hundred percent. No, like, I think this roster is going to be great. I think they're going to do well, but you do have to expect a learning curve. So do I see them necessarily competing for the division title right away? Probably not, but it wouldn't shock me if they did, depending on who they get from the higher levels.
0: Before we finish the show, you made an interesting point talking about training cap and stuff. As an ECHL fan, should you want players in AHL camps or not?
1: It's a great question. Um, you know, I I know it seems kind of selfish, but as an ECHL fan, I think you probably don't because you may not see them again. <laughs> Devil's advocate, <laughs> you know, like, how many of looking at this from a l- larger
0: scale, how many of those camp invites? actually get a contract and better yet end up staying with the ahl team out of
1: camp first of all these are all great questions and there's no wrong answer to by the way to whether you should want your guy in the ahl yes camp. no but I'm, more, uh, so I'm trying to maybe show that i think you know, it's dependent you know, on the team but you are on to something i think if you have an open tryout is what i'll call it sure. um chances are you're not gonna make it but Over the last few years, I've seen more and more that guys are. And the explanation I've been given is that some teams are now relying, some AHL teams are now relying on the ECHL teams to kind of do the legwork for them. To round up their roster in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, we can spend our time worrying about who our seventh defenseman is going to be, or we can just let Fort Wayne do it for us because they're going to be scouting all these guys. They're going to be looking at who the, good college and junior guys that we overlooked are and they're going to try to arrange a camp spot for their top rookie defenseman with us and that could be that seventh guy we need and they've done all the legwork for us so I'm just using Fort Wayne as an example but I'm seeing this more and more with other teams so a good example in Fort Wayne would be a guy named Jake Johnson he was a rookie last year he looked fantastic but only played a few games So early in the summer, he signs an AHL deal with Bakersfield. So the optics at the time are, okay, well, that's good for us because Jake Johnson, he's barely played any pro games. He'll be back here, and we don't have to worry about the salary cap implications as much. But then when you start thinking about it in September and October, you're like, well, what if he ends up making the team, though? Like, that kind of changes everything here because we are kind of counting on that guy to – run the power play and be number one on the PK and all these things. So that's why I'm like, I think giving your druthers is the typical ECHL fan. You don't want those guys in camp, but you and I both know, of course, players mentality as it should be is they want to move up. So of course, like, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's tease them a little bit that that they got a, a good shot here. Let's get them into camp. Let's get them excited. Let's get them into shape. You know, Noah Gansky, he was in Oilers camp. Then he's in Bakersfield's camp. I don't see a way he's not in Fort Wayne's camp, but look at what he's gotten to do over the last month. And now he's like, man, if I work my butt off, I'm going to be back there in a couple of weeks. And that's what you want. You want the guy working his butt off at the ECHL level, not sulking about the fact that he didn't make the AHL squad. So I don't know what the right answer is. I just know if I were a fan, if I wasn't getting paid for this, and we're sitting here on october 4th i'd want to be able to look at the echl roster and have some clue who's going to be here and if all of those guys are going to be up in the ahl or nhl camps i don't know that and so my team could be wildly different regardless of that but i don't know it's a great question i tell you i'd be really nervous if you got players in the chicago wolves camp i do know that much because independent team with a history of squatting on echl players i mean Who knows they're gonna i would assume take value wherever they can get it so Mm -hmm. you know like brett Brochu, uh and i think it's joe gattenby and maybe matt wedman no Brochu's not there i'm sorry uh in cleveland camp so joe gattenby and matt wedman these are fringe ahl echl players who are in camp with the chicago wolves who are trying a new way of going things this year as an independent Mm -hmm. i mean i have that marked in my head as like a little bit of an asterisk there because I know you never know with Chicago. They could keep those guys for a long time. Yeah. And what's the downside for them to not do that? Well, the
0: to play devil's advocate again, I would argue that if you look at it long term and your player does end up getting scooped away by an HL team, they've taken a spot from someone, right? So the people that don't make the AHL team and then become free agents, there's almost a second pool of players, no? that you can sign i know it's not as easy because you have to get them but i feel like it would open up in some way
1: well yes and no so if you're talking about players with your affiliate sure that should open up somebody oh else.
0: you're saying okay No, but yeah, you if
1: no. you get a guy that's just in camp with another yeah, yeah. team so if a guy right. goes to wilkesbury scranton just on ato or PT, and, and makes the team sure that's great but you know the 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 leftovers are going to go to Wheeling, (laughs) you know, they're not going to go to Fort Wayne, but yes, it's it's totally a fair point. And in most cases I would say you're correct, but you know, AHL teams are plucking guys from wherever they can get them and Mm. you don't know if they're going to wind up with you. But again, this all gets back to having a good relationship with your NHL, AHL team. The ones that do that, they work together on that stuff. The ones that don't have a great relationship, it's kind of a free for all. I usually see the free for all. Like this year in Fort Wayne, it seems to be cohesive. So everybody's optimistic about, oh, we're communicating on guys. Fort Wayne's coaches are up at AHL camp right now. They're involved in the process. You know, that's what you want. But, you know, a few years ago when it was Vegas, you know, (laughs) you knew they were saying one thing and those guys were never actually going to end up here. So it all depends on the relationship. Absolutely. All right, I think we're going to cap the
0: show there. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to catch us next week where our Western.